If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with an acute obsession of true crime, caught discussing tragic events with unwilling participants, or kept awake at night by the paranormal or just plain absurd, you've found the right place. All others, beware of catching this dangerous bug as we begin to talk about the facts. and welcome to let's talk about the facts and we're back today with vaughn uh, <laughs> <laughs> i am so upset if you turned in if you tuned into episode three we had loosely discussed that he needed to know how to handle an alien situation and then alex and i were able to give him a foolproof step-by-step instruction on how to do so so quick refresher you open the alien spacecraft. You punch the alien in the face. Already out. I'm already out. <laughs> you have to say, welcome to Earth. And then you sit on the side of the alien spacecraft and pull out a cigar and say to yourself, now that's what I call a close encounter. And that's the only appropriate way to handle an alien encounter. And also later you have to save the world. Obviously. Yes. Clearly. <laughs> so clearly. <laughs> So Vaughn is back with us to talk about a story involving aliens. So I'm super pleased to freak him out, and I hope he has a delightful time, as do our listeners, because this is once again, let's talk about the facts. So for those of us who don't yet know us, we're a podcast about cold cases, bizarre phenomena, and the wildest stories I felt like researching. And I definitely felt like researching this one because Vaughn is scared of aliens and quite possibly everything. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I know, I know my lane. I like to stay in my lane. I can look over at another lane and say like, oh, I see what you're doing over there. But I don't need to be in that lane. It just feels like aliens are the definition of a whole nother lane. (sighs) I think what's the best part is like, I'm like a Lyft driver who picks you up and is like, I'm going to take you into a whole other lane and it's going to be fine because I know where I'm going. But the whole time you're sitting in the back, holding onto both doors going, ah! <laughs> watching outside as things get less and less familiar. <laughs> you're like, am I turning into a criminal minds episode or is, <laughs> is this going to be okay? I don't know. <laughs> Let me text my mom real quick, just in case. (laughs) (laughs) I might end up abducted by the end of this. But just so you know, I'm going to call all of our extraterrestrial episodes fact or fiction. Because there are cases for both sides, and I love hearing them all. So this is fact or fiction, the Travis Walton experience. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to present it as what the people who experienced these events say, and then what the public reception was. I don't know if aliens exist for a fact. Do I want them to? Absolutely. I'd like to think that we aren't the smartest thing in the universe, especially now. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have conclusive proof? Not even a little bit. So here we are. I will say some things are compelling, But I also love refuting compelling pieces as well. So here we are. Compelling. Okay. 
Oh, well, it's fine. My blood pressure is so high right now. <laughs> Look, they didn't make how many seasons of Ancient Aliens for no reason. I'm just saying compelling is one thing. But okay. at the same time, you can unexplain compelling. Like, it's compelling that Katy Perry could be John Benet Ramsey, but I can explain that away like that. Yeah. Still compelling. And now you got me thinking, like, wait, is she, though? Exactly. <laughs> this is where we're at. This is why the show is here. <laughs> All right. So, context time, because I've told you literally nothing so far. And I did a lot of context because I had to. There was a lot going on. So, the year is 1975. And you know what they say about the 70s. If you remember it, you weren't there. And I feel like the reverse is going to be true about 2020. Like, if you weren't emotionally damaged by 2020, you weren't there. You weren't there. You just were not. Yeah. But uh, key events happened in 75, actually. Wheel of Fortune premiered on NBC. And that's still going. With who? Is it still Pat Sajak? Was he there the whole time? As far as I'm aware. And Vanna White? I believe so. Wow. I know. Imagine having that kind of job security. Imagine having a job. (laughs) Wow. So Watergate is in full force. Again, Google is free for those who don't know it. But this does lead to Richard Nixon's impeachment and resignation before he would be removed from office. Fascinating bit of history there, guys. All right. This is the coolest part of 1975 so the rocky horror show opens on broadway and later that year the acclaimed musical film rocky horror picture show is released with tim curry reprising his role as dr frankenverter so there's this saying that you can tell a lot about a person by what film they know tim curry from so like what film do you know tim curry from vaughn tim curry is um the scary movie two guy for me is he in Scary Movie 2? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's the, the host that brings like the whole cast into the haunted house. Stop it. That's hilarious. You know who he is for me? Who? Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Which is not shocking at all, considering <laughs> I shock about that movie all the time. <laughs> oh, and you know who else he is for me? This is who he was first to me. He was the, um, the bellhop. In oh, Home Alone. In Home Alone 2. That's yes. what my brother-in-law says. He's like, he's the Home Alone 2 concierge or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by where they know him from. Also because he's incredible. Um, so a lot of people would say Rocky Horror because that was his first film. But as, like, you know, we're younger. So that's changing because we were younger. Yeah. So delightful, right? I would also say Clue would be my second film that he was in. Mm-hmm. Guys, if you haven't seen any of these films, I don't know. I haven't seen Scary Movie 2, but go see them. Why not? Support Tim Curry's work. Pay yes. the man to his residuals. Um, That's so weird, though, too. Not to get on too much of a tangent, but I think about, like, I know Joe Pesci as the, like, the bumbling, you know, crook yes! in Home Alone. <laughs> That's Home my Alone. Joe Pesci. Like, I I, I've seen other stuff he's done. Like, I've seen Goodfellas and all that, but, like... First, he was the weird burglar. The wet bandit. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I find that so interesting because it's like, 
a lot of people know Peter Falk as the grandpa who reads the story in um, The Princess Bride, but so many people are like, but he's Columbo! And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Um, so our next event, the Vietnam War concludes with the fall of Saigon. Communist forces take control of Saigon and resulted in mass evacuation of Americans and South Vietnamese. South Vietnam surrenders unconditionally. And I only bring this one up. Well, one is huge. But I bring up specifically what it was because the show Watchmen on HBO shows this. But flip side, where it was won. Dr. Manhattan helped win the Vietnam War and it was brought into the union so it was really interesting a lot of vietnam veterans are still alive and well today um my dad is one of them and this is one of the nastiest conflicts america has in its repertoire and it's worth researching how we got involved what part we played and how bad we lost yep um we really like to like gloss over that with a butter knife and considering how many living um veterans we have definitely should not be i heard recently that it's referred to as the vietnam conflict which is not true wow yeah Um, it's a little reductive it is um wow should have we have been there up for debate personally i say no but you know we were And if you're going to learn about something, you should learn the truth about what actually happened, not a fake version of events, right? Amen. Um, So also, Patty Hearst is rescued in San Francisco. Definitely read up on her story as her name is the most associated with Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, Jaws is released and that film hits way too close to home right now. Yikes. (laughs) So Congress also passed the Metric Conversion Act, which turned out to be a big fat lie. Otherwise, we'd be using metrics right now, and I wouldn't have learned this whole arbitrary sizes and whatnot. Life would have been easier if we just used metrics. We learned both. I can't remember it. Honestly, I'm confused about the whole damn thing, and I tried my best. Um, So here's the worst thing. And brace yourself. I've been braced this entire time. Like, I'm barely breathing. (laughs) He's just, like, clenched. (laughs) President Gerald Ford, barf, posthumously pardoned Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general. And I want to barf about that. Why? What for? He was a traitor and horrible. Bad move. Bad look. A classic American move, though. So things that are still going on are the Cold War, the end of the space race, and the big energy crisis of the 70s. So, yeah, that's 1975 in the nutshell with the facts that I felt like would be important. Wow. So, you want to move on to a really fun story about some lumberjacks in the woods? <sighs> yes, yes. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to put on a brave face. Yes, let's do it. I can't wait. <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. I'm not going to be upset at all anymore. Actually, I don't think you will. I think you're going to get your chuckle face on because what's a chuckle (laughs) face? That sounds like something I would have called someone in like the third grade. Uh, (laughs) Moving them to tears. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to lie. The story is absolutely hilarious to me. But then again, I feel like I have the constitution of a brick wall when it comes to scary stories. (laughs) I'm like, what are you going to do? Kill me? I'm a millennial. I've been waiting. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So we're going to start off with a quote from Travis Walton himself. All right. Okay. Yes, this is good. So he says, I don't really know what kind of accent to give him. So I'm going to do like, I don't know. I'm going to try out a thing. I looked at the vague but reassuring forms of the doctors around me. Abruptly, my vision cleared. The sudden horror of what I saw rocked me, as I was definitely not in a hospital. I was looking square into the face of a horrible creature with large, luminous eyebrows. Wait. Luminous brown eyes. Oh, man. With the size of quarters. I looked around frantically. There were three of them. Hysteria overcame me instantly. So there you go. To get you intrigued. Little excitement. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't help that I said eyebrows instead of brown eyes, but whatever. I, luminous eyebrows, no. I'm like curious. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a different kind of alien. This isn't what I... Okay. But now I'm in. I'm back in. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny that he's like a horrible creature with luminous brown eyes. And I was like, excuse me, I'm not that horrible. <laughs> wow. It also sounds like a love connection. Like, <laughs> it's like you, got, you, you got caught in the eyes that quick. Ooh. <laughs> it's oh. okay, Travis. Speak your truth. <laughs> I mean, they're just aliens. It doesn't mean there can't be love. Um, so our story... <laughs> takes place on November 5th, 1975. Our protagonist, Travis Walton. He's an 18-year-old lumberjack. He's with his logging team, Michael Rogers, Alan Dallas, John Goulet, Kenneth Peterson, Steve Pierce, and Dwayne Smith. Don't remember any of those names. They're not important. They all sound made up, too, by the way. (laughs) They're so basic American names. They went through the American name thesaurus and was like, got it. Um, I'm going re- to like refer to them still, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. Okay. Like, they're important people and their you know, lives are important. That's great. But to the story, it's not important you remember who's who. Also, because that would be really confusing. Yeah. There's like well, six dudes. <laughs> it's, it's seven white dudes in a story. Who cares? Um... But they're all very lumberjackish names, which really killed me there. So seven of them make up a th- tree-thinning crew. Wow, I can read my own writing here. That worked on the Apache Sitgraves National Forest, uh, located near Heber, Arizona. So the oldest member of the crew is the boss, 28-year-old Michael Rogers. Oh my god, he could be a boss at 28? Wow. That's... That's actually pretty, I mean, that's, that screams 70s, that he's like yeah. a straight up full on boss at 28. Of like more than one person? That's incredible. <laughs> so, like, you're responsible. You can take care of these people. Take care of this 18 year old kid. He's got it. I mean, maybe it explains the whole chain of events here because it's going to get wild. So you can actually read a very robust version of events in a very thesaurus-laden prose by purchasing his novel, The Walton Experience. And then there's a made-for-TV movie called Fire in the Sky. They're not the same thing. The movie was glammed up for Hollywood, but I had a really fun time watching it. I'm going to leave it at that, though. I'm not going to talk about the quality of the film. I like to rate films based on, did I have a good time? And the answer was yes. Okay. I did. Now, what I put it up for awards... I remain neutral. 
Well, what kind of awards? What are my options? I mean, because it, you always have to consider movies for their purpose, right? Exactly. It was so, made like, for TV. Yeah. So, like, if it was a made-for-TV, did it give me lots of laughs award? Absolutely. Boom. Then that's all that matters. I feel like you'd be scared, and I would be over there, like, losing my mind laughing. I've, I've started to get a little bit better with with the um, the weird stuff. Like, the anything that might be, like, horror or thriller. I'm, like, getting a lot better these days. So, I'll give you an example. So, well, audience, we have a mutual friend. His name is Jay. And Jay and I <laughs> go to, like, horror movies a lot together because I'm a horror writer. And it's my jam. I love to see them. And there, we went and saw Midsummer, and it was excellent. I loved it. Awards, definitely. Um, but I would never see that movie again, you know? However, mm-hmm. at the same year a movie called countdown came out and it was about like a phone app that was going to tell you when you were going to die. And I was laughing. I was having a great time and I would watch that movie like six or seven times. It was hilarious. It was scary. It was what I wanted it to be. You know what I mean? I'm with Qual- Yeah. Quality wise actually it was shot beautifully. It was very thrilled. And like, I had a great time. That's the kind like, it's hard to scare me. So, like, I wanted a good story. I got my good story. It was cheesy, but what's not cheesy? Like, you know? Yeah. It was hilarious. Watch Countdown. It's fun. No one paid me to say that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, back to the glammed up version of the Walton experience. Yeah, fire Uh, in the sky. Fire in the sky. Um... There's also a documentary, and you can find out everything you want about this story at travis-walton.com. I got a ton of info from there, and you can read excerpts from his book, but I'm going to condense it down with commentary for you guys, because it's a lot of, it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, So, the boys, as I'm going to call them, the boys are packing up to head home for the day. They have been tree thinning, it's been... It's been a day. They're they're tired. And they see what they thought at first was a downed plane. But I'm like, bros, you would have heard that happening. Yeah. And then Alan is like, it's a flying saucer. Which, I don't know why they're called flying saucers. Because it doesn't look like an actual saucer. Um. I just want to know where that came from. Same. And like, how, why would you jump to... Okay, go ahead. Why would you jump to that conclusion, you ask? Allow me to tell you. So there was a stationary object well below the treetops. It was a gold disc-like thing that had a bluish luminescence of the night around it. And as I've said before, I have no idea how people get these approximations. I can't tell sizes at all. But Travis said that it was about 20 feet off the ground had about 8 to 10 foot width and was about 15 to 20 feet in diameter. Maybe because he's good at tree looking. I don't know. I was going to say, I feel like when you when you have to chop up trees and you got to, there's probably sizing that goes Maybe. into a lot of that. Yeah, I could see that. So this is the one thing where I'm like, okay, Travis, there's a point in the, like, the credibility, you know? Yeah, 
I feel like this is the one time I'm going to give it to him. But then later, I'm going to still question it because I'll tell you. Okay. So it was just hovering there, stationary, and scaring everyone by casting a yellowish tint on all of the plants. Dun, dun, dun. So all of the boys, except Travis, think it's a great idea not to go anywhere near it. But Travis, being a Travis and an 18-year-old boy, goes near it. They're all yelling at him things like, what do you think you're doing? And he's like, in his head, I was determined. So an excerpt from his book. I ducked into a crouch when a tremendously bright blue-gray ray shot from the bottom of the craft. I saw and heard nothing. All I felt was the numbing force of a blow that felt like a high-voltage electrocution. The intense bolt made a sharp cracking or popping sound. The stunning concussion of the foot-wide beam struck me full in the head and chest. My mind sank into an unfeeling blackness. I didn't even see what hit me, but from the instant I felt that paralyzing blow, I did not see, hear, or feel anything more. Oh, wait, I forgot to tell you that this was actually an alien abduction. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, because if this was just... From what you described so far, it sounded like somebody just got up too fast. I and, know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, he's tired. He needs he, to sit down. It's been a day. Some, he got some head rush. <laughs> but unfortunately, Steve yells, it got him. Whose account is this? It's very, very questionable. Okay. <laughs> but all six dudes are still there, except for Travis. So apparently one of the dudes, maybe even Steve himself, was like, it got him. I said it. I said that. So, and remember, guys, if you can't keep up with who is who, I could neither. What's most important is that they all have lumberjack names. And I feel like the details just really set the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, so the boys see Travis get hit with this like bolt of electricity and his body just splay out in the air, allegedly. And they decide, deuces. They're like, we gotta get out of here. And every single one of them flee the scene like they did it. It was probably hilarious in hindsight, but can you imagine like six bros in the early mid twenties bolting out of the woods like their butts were on fire? <laughs> fire in the sky? More like fire in their back pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and see, this is where I need to just pause real quick. So <laughs> this is where if this was if this was me, this would be a very short story. The, the Von Dexter Montague experience about alien abduction would have started with, he saw there was an object in the ground, it was gold in color, and he turned around and said, nope, and ran the other way. Like, I, I'm telling you, there's such a big difference in, like, us and them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. But, I mean, they got out of Dodge. They did not bother to see if Travis was okay or anything. (laughs) 
It was like every man for himself that isn't Travis. She's got to put it in God's hands now. <laughs> they just figured he was dead and he could get his own body out like of the forest. <laughs> I, and here's my thing. I'm not even mad at them. I'm, I'm just upset that like, they took as long as they did to do this. But I'm like, yes, y'all get out of there. <laughs> See, they had the proper instinct. Travis was like, I'm going to touch it. <laughs> it reminds me of Finding Nemo where he's like, he touched the butt. <laughs> I know, but it's just like the scene, though, the scene that that paints in my head, these like lumberjack bros like practically grabbing their butts and running in the 70s is hilarious. <laughs> So they see, like, the saucer fly out and off to the northeast. I don't even know what that means, but they do. (laughs) As saucers are also known to do, the northeast is a very saucer-like place to go. Absolutely. And they were afraid it was following them. So Travis Walton describes the chase of a lifetime as follows. So I assume he got this from the other guys, right? Wait, no, because, no. Before we make that assumption, I have to tell you the picture that I painted in my brain <laughs> on what's happening so far. <laughs> I gotta hear it. So let's, let's assume this is all happening, right? This, there's an alien, this, they're in this golden saucer. He's been beamed up. <laughs> From what you've said just far, right where I've stopped you, I can only assume they were hoping to scoop up everybody at once and only got the first guy. And then everybody ran. They were like, oh, we got to get them too. And he's not all the way beamed up yet. He's like lagging behind the saucer, still (laughs) mid-beam, seeing his friends run away. What if he was getting hit by tree branches? (laughs) (laughs) He absolutely is. (laughs) Unless the saucer's like providing cover, depending on the angle. He's still getting hit. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have to, you have to like, if this is the case, you got to be sad a little bit for, for poor Travis. Cause like you're seeing, you're, you're terrified that you're about to, you're being abducted. You don't know what's happening, but what you do know is that the people who could save you are running. They're hauling ass the other direction. <laughs> but I'm going to refute your hauling ass for a second. Well, one, we know that Travis allegedly passed out. Okay. Second, right. I have a direct quote for this chase of a lifetime, and you're going to be upset about it. Get ready. So (laughs) I'm going to do everything inside my body to not laugh through this. Okay. The rattling truck shot forward at 35 miles an hour. Yeah. What? (laughs) Far too fast for the condition of that road. A passing limb slammed into the right rear view mirror, bending it uselessly to the side of the truck. I've never known a limb to be that strong. Uh, depends on the limb. I feel like it's a branch at that point. Yes, also true. The old international went flying through the air over the dirt ramp of a high water bar. As it landed, the pickup smashed down destructively on its weakened springs with a terrible crash. So he had me there for like a second. But um, I've driven a car at 35 miles an hour. I've also driven a really crappy truck at 35 miles an hour. Right. And that's residential speed, man. Like, 
<laughs> truck couldn't take it. And so Mike has to slow that puppy down to 10 miles an hour. That's not a chase of a lifetime. <laughs> that is not fast and furious. That's, that's barely the chase of a day. That's the that, jaunt of a day. Yeah, I was like, that's slow and laborious. Get out and you'll run faster. <laughs> right. But then again, like, I was like, oh, yeah, it's bumpy, and they're in the literal wilderness. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes you can leave details to the imagination and not ruin this dramatic chase by giving me factual details, like the miles per hour. Right. Which, uh, okay. (laughs) So, they're running away at 35 miles an hour, which will get you nowhere. We've all seen Fast and Furious. They're strolling away. They're strolling away, and then the saucer is gone. They decided that it wasn't after them because it was gone. And so the men bicker amongst themselves. That's, you know, what 20-year-olds do. Mm-hmm. And we've been 20. And they, a few of them, it didn't, it didn't say which, and I think that's funny because no one wants to own up. They also don't care. <laughs> they go back to see... If there's a dead Travis or not. Because that guilt, though. But guess what? There's no Travis at all. Dun, dun, dun. So, where's Travis? He's on a spacecraft. (laughs) Still heading northeast? He's still heading northeast. Like, kind of towards the North Star, but a little adjacent. All right. So, Travis... He wakes up in what he thinks is a hospital and his shirt and his jacket are pushed up and there's like a device of sorts on his chest and he doesn't know what to do. He's like all hazy and groggy from his little zap zap and enter three humanoids and we're going to let Travis describe them. I could see these blurry figures of a doctor leaning over me with their white masks and caps. They were wearing unusual orange-colored surgical gowns. I could not make out their faces clearly. Abruptly, my vision cleared. The sudden horror of what I saw rocked me as I realized that I was definitely not in a hospital. I was looking squarely into the face of a horrible creature! It looked steadily back at me with huge, luminous brown eyes, the size of quarters. That's not that big. Yeah, I'm like, where's my laundry money? <laughs> like, you found a quarter. <laughs> I think my eyes, like, might be close to that. It looked frantically around me. There were three of them. I struck out a two on my right, hitting one with the back of my arm, knocking into the other one. My swing was more of a push than a blow. I was so weakened. The one I touched felt soft through the cloth of its garment. The muscle of its puny physique yielded with a sponginess that was more like fat than sinew. The creature was light and had fallen back easily. I love the fact that he just wakes up and tries to fight them. Right. I was going to say, this is classic case of unreliable narrator. It's classic case of America. (laughs) He's like, I got up and I was so damn strong. When I pushed him, he fell over with ease. (laughs) i'm just saying like when the aliens come to like kill us all it's gonna be travis's fault (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you remember that one time you pushed us? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're going to, like, hack all of our, like, technology and all of our screens. And it's yep. going to be, like, that one, that same one alien with a black eye still somehow, you know, 45 years later. And he's like, where that boy Travis at? <laughs> <laughs> Run me my fade, Travis. Run me my fade. <laughs> we all push Travis forward. <laughs> We're like, we know where he is. <laughs> We'll yeah, he's been him. in the gym this whole time. That one alien has been in the gym, working it out. <laughs> it's like the Rick and Morty episode when they get super, super swole to go beat up the devil. You know which one I'm talking about? I don't. I don't know Rick and Morty. Oh, that's okay. For those of us... Wait, those of us. Those of you who listen to us. <laughs> just missed half a sentence there. They got me. They know. Um, but yeah, it was just to beat him up. <laughs> that was it. I was like, that's what you get. And honestly, I'm like, he had no idea what was going on, but he's like, I don't know what this is, but I'm a punch. And right. Like, for all we know, they put like that device on him to heal him because he got shot. But like, <laughs> or like, you know, maybe they were planning the butt probe that I mentioned from episode one. We don't know. And I wrote here, we have an unreliable narrator. (laughs) See? (laughs) You are so right. So he tries to fight them, and they bounce. So he goes on to describe them in incredible detail. You're not ready for this. But I'm going to do it as fast as I can, okay? Go for it. They were... A little under five feet in height. They had basic humanoid form. Also, this is directly quoted. Okay. Two legs, two arms, hands with five digits each. And a head with a normal human arrangement of features. Beyond the outline, any similarity to humans was terrifyingly absent. Their thin bones was, were covered with a white marshmallowy looking flesh. They had on a single piece, coverall type suits made of soft suede like material misspelled but whatever orangish brown in color because you know i copied and pasted this and it's <laughs> misspelled and it hurts me <laughs> can't believe i knew like what he was going for um i could not see any grain in the material such as cloth has who the fuck notices that but okay not even who but like what lumberjack is out here looking at fashion <laughs> I'm building Travis's case in my brain, but I'm going to let you finish. Go ahead. (laughs) Good, because I'm not done. In fact, their clothes did not appear to even have any seams. I saw no buttons, zippers, or snaps. almost said zaps. (laughs) They wore no belts. The loose, billowy garments were gathered at the wrists and perhaps the ankles. They didn't have any kind of raised collar at the neck. They wore simple, pinkish, tan footwear. I could not make out the details of their shoes, but they had very small feet, about a size four by our measure. When they... (laughs) No, go ahead. I said I was going to let you finish. (laughs) When they extended their hand toward me, I noticed they had no fingernails. Their hands were small, delicate, without hair. Like, what? Their... (laughs) Their thin, round fingers looked soft and unwrinkled. Their smooth skin was so pale, it looked like chalk, like ivory. Their bald heads were disproportionately large for their puny bodies. 
They had bulging, oversized craniums, a small jaw structure, and an underdeveloped appearance to their features that was almost infantile. Their thin-lipped mouths were narrow. I never saw them open. Lying close to their heads on either side were tiny, crinkled lobes of ears. Their miniature, rounded noses had small, oval nostrils. Their... (laughs) The only facial feature that didn't appear underdeveloped were those incredible eyes, those glistening orbs. Mm-hmm. And... I know, bruh. Go ahead. <laughs> Brown irises twice the size of those of a normal human size. Nearly an inch in diameter. The iris was so large that even parts of the pupils were hidden by the lids. Given the eyes had a certain cat-like appearance... Oh, wait, giving the eyes a certain cut. Mm-hmm. There was very little of the white part of the eye showing. They had no lashes or eyebrows. I have finished. Okay. <laughs> so this is what we need to figure out. Who hurt Travis when he was younger? <laughs> because Travis is describing, there's so much about physicality in this description. And he's picked up so like he's obsessed with this, like these figures, that I feel like he's he's somehow mentally projecting either his own self-image of himself as a child. We need to crack this, Travis. Come on, let's. Okay, is it how is that how he saw himself when he was younger? And he was like, I know I need to get I need to get buff. I need to get ripped. And then he became a lumberjack, and like all of that is connected. Or like, did like. There's so much about how puny they were and underdeveloped and not muscular. And he's like, he's already this hero who's, you know, burst off the table and punched one guy in the face. And it was easy to punch him because he was basically fat and very small and thin. And there's just like a lot of body stuff that I feel like Travis has not worked through. And again, I still maintain that he got up too fast. And he's like, this is him in his days, (laughs) in his brain. And he's this is just his self-conscious trying to like, Help him work through some stuff, you know? I do. I'm going to remain commentary neutral for now because I know what happens next. Okay. And that's going to skew my commentary. So we're going to keep going. Okay. (laughs) But that's my question so far. Like, who hurt you? (laughs) I agree, actually. (laughs) I do. I do. Like, now that you've said that, I 100% agree. (laughs) So after... This incredibly ridiculous description. I'm sorry. Like, how do you have all of that after just a quick round of punching? And that's what I'm saying. Like, you punch somebody and you you notice the fashion. You notice that the, <laughs> the cloth didn't really have, like, a texture to it. Really? And the, the, finger, the fingers didn't have no nails? You noticed all of that after you swung. Okay. I mean, I might notice the hands. So next time I, like take a swing at Yvonne. I'm going to see if I remember your shoes. <laughs> Fair experiment. Okay. I feel like more likely I'm just going to fall over. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to sidestep. No, it's going to be like me running into the salty spittoon and I slip on an ice cube. <laughs> I get covered in boo-boos. <laughs> never not funny (laughs) all right so next they bounce right they are out of there 
and he's so afraid of them returning, he thinks to himself, Travis, let's find a way out of this flying saucer. And he leaves and starts running around. Because, see, like, I wouldn't have tried to beat up the aliens because, like, I might be in space. And uh, just thoughts here. How am I going to get back to Earth and not just, like, jettisoned into space? (laughs) (laughs) Like, end up on the moon and, like, some moonwalk ends up with, like, a rando Arizonan man. Arizonian man. Uh, frozen in place, and it's like, Houston, we have a problem. I think we have found a missing person, and Neil Armstrong has explaining to do. (laughs) So, he does this anyway. By the way, I just can't let the joke pass. Houston, we have a Walton. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. Go ahead. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. It was just right there. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. But could you imagine? <laughs> could you just imagine if he was like frozen in like a running man stance? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> yeah, and that's what the, they were like. His driver's license is in the back pocket. And they're like, this guy has been missing for 30 years. <laughs> we found him. How did he get to the moon? Um, <laughs> so many questions, but like, you know, he decides, I feel like his problem solving skills were not great. I'd like to see some tests, but you know, that's okay. But it checks out. Like, I mean, not to super stereotype, but like, if he's like, I'm imagine, I'm, I'm honestly imagining like maybe a slightly thinner brawny man. That's how I've like pictured Travis this whole time. I dig it. I dig it so much. That's exactly it. And I just feel like, yeah, that that guy punches first and asks questions later. And he's eighteen, so imagine a oh, man yeah. who's like barely an adult, not even really. Like he can vote and join the army, but he can't drink. I don't know when they raised the drinking limit or drinking age. It was after Nam, I think. So maybe he is too young. Nineteen seventy-five. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he may not be able to drink yet. Who knows? He probably smokes a pack a day. He's probably, it's the 70s. Like, he's like, I can't die. He's in that, you know, that phase that we all go through before, you know, adulthood really hits. And you're like, I don't, oh my God, this is horrible. (laughs) Why did no one tell me? (laughs) Because they didn't know either. (laughs) So he goes down all these holes and he is describing the like it feels like he's describing the floorboards i'm telling you he you want to read an incredible description it's there travis write sci-fi novels you have a gift like J.R. tolkien he has to have a word with you on describing <laughs> things that aren't important um he does keep referring to the humanoids as hideous and i would say unique but that's me. Open but you see the body image stuff. I'm telling you, you see it, right? It's I like do. they were ugly. I was them. Like I am the alien. But also, I'm thinking I'm a millennial. He's a boomer. Just saying this tracks. Also true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm open. You know, love it. Love what. Love this journey for you over here. <laughs> Tell me about yourself. I won't punch you. Does this hurt me? 
Is it neutral? You just want to know things? I, it's fine. Um, he loves to describe decor and interior down to what type of green he's seeing. And in the various passages of the book, I skip over it because it's not important to me or the story. But what is important is that he stumbles upon what he thinks is a human. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so this is how Travis describes him. Brace yourself. Oh, wait. I already knew you were fully clenched anyway. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he was a man about six feet, two inches tall. His helmeted head barely cleared the doorway. He was extremely muscular and evenly proportioned. He appeared to weigh about 200 pounds. He wore a tight-fitting, bright blue suit of soft material like velour. His feet were covered with Why black... Why does Travis know all of these materials? Sorry, go ahead. I, he's, a, he's a lumberjack, dude. Like, I got questions. Um, his feet were covered with black boots. A black band or belt wrapped around his middle. He carried no tools or weapons on his belt or in his hands. No insignia marked his clothing. So I don't think he's from Star Trek or any variations, but it's not totally ruled out. <laughs> and he doesn't wear brand name, apparently? Oh, no, no. No brand name. Mm-mm, this is not Mark Jacobs. <laughs> but <laughs> just... What is it? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm like, what is it with him in these fabrics? He's so in. <laughs> it's the attention to detail, Travis. That's what I. That's what I. That's what makes me not believe the story. There's too many details. So oddly much, enough, I know. I'm like, at what point did you learn what the lore was? Because I gotta be real with you. Sometimes I forget and I have to look it up. And I have worked with these fabrics. I feel like maybe I just have too much information in my brain and I don't care that much. And I'm like, oh yeah, velour is that one ugly thing that I see a lot of people in Beverly Hills wearing velour jumpsuits and I worked at a Starbucks in Beverly Hills. And yeah. Yeah, that thing. I've sewn it. It sucks. But it's just it... I wouldn't have thought that <laughs> like if I was in this situation. I would have been like, it was smooth. There are points hearing this story where I'm like, is, did she jump and now we're doing an excerpt from Devil Wears Prada? Like, how, <laughs> how is there so much detail about the clothing? This is Let's Talk About the Facts and I'm Miranda Priestley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I guess that makes me Andy? I don't, does it? I don't know. Oh my God, <laughs> you would be such a good Andy. This is this is true, but we we can get in, go down that road another time. That's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Travis decides twenty questions is the way to go, but this human-like man being says nothing. I put man being <laughs> says nothing. He just drags him out the warehouse. Not really. I think they walk. Um. It's like a warehouse type thing with other saucers and Travis describes it in great detail. Trust me. If you want to read it, do it um, to another group of human like being things. And of course I'm going to have to give you Travis's strange description because they're gold. I think they're <laughs> gold. I want him to write me some sci-fi novels. I'd read them. Um, so two men and a woman, 
were standing around the table. They were wearing, they were all wearing velvety blue uniforms, like the first man's, except they had no helmets. The two men had the same muscularity and the same masculine good looks as the first man. See? The woman. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the woman also had a face and figure that was the epitome of her gender. They were. What? Go ahead. I'm, okay, no, it's fine. We don't have to stop. You can keep going. What? I just started laughing. They were smooth skinned and blemishless. No moles, freckles, wrinkles, or scars marked their skin. <laughs> the striking good looks of the man I had first met became more obvious on seeing them all together. Yep, I bet. They shared a family-like resemblance, although they were not identical. So in the picture on the website, the woman totally looks like Farrah Fawcett, so I'm imagining... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I, I'm imagining her and three Mark Hamels, like yeah, all, <laughs> all three Luke Skywalkers, like all three of them. So one, like four, five, six Luke Skywalkers, and then Jill Monroe from Charlie's Angels. Like that's it. That's it. That's who these people are. That's all. Okay. Goodbye, Mark Hamill. You got a lot of work to do because you're playing three characters. But it's okay. You My don't have to hurt. say anything. <laughs> now you know how Barbie feels. <laughs> oh my god, my chicks are killing me. <laughs> so, Farrah Fawcett puts on what looks like an oxygen mask on his face. And he blacks out. He goes nine-nine, etc. Wait, so he... Okay. <laughs> Got it. So I labeled this section, honey, I'm home, because he woke up on the pavement back in Hebrew, Arizona. No, no, no. They dropped him off like a drunk groupie and was like, <laughs> fine, find your way home. <laughs> I feel like they were like, when did we pick this up? Did someone get this on purpose? Who picked up the earthling? <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to imagine, like, so we're getting it from Travis's perspective, but then I have to wonder, like, okay, the moment after, like, the mask is on his face, he passes out, like, what is that moment between them where they're like, uh, he's doing too much, we gotta send this one back. (laughs) They were probably like, oh, we got, mm, is this what earthlings are like? Because... This is a big old yikes. <laughs> this one fights too much. <laughs> can can we re- can we return this? Does anyone have the receipt? <laughs> and they just leave him on the street, <laughs> <laughs> right on the pavement. Like that moment, like did they gingerly leave him? Did did the saucer drop him off? Like <laughs> I'd like to think that they like gave him a few inches of air between and just dropped. <laughs> but that's like my conjecture. I also feel like the trio, and I named them in my head, Jim, Maude, and Jerry. Um, (laughs) Those are the trio of the humanoids. I feel like they hurt their feelings, like, or he hurt their feelings really, really bad. And so the humans are like, this guy, we pick him up. We were going to take him out for a good time. And then 
He punches Jim in the face? <laughs> Gotta get rid of this. Haven't you heard of manners? Ugh. <laughs> but okay, this time, Travis sees the outline of a silvery disc speeding away. So, Travis thinks he's been gone for like an hour, or maybe two. So, like, not that long, because it's also very dark, which would make sense since he left in the dark. But mm-hmm. what's funny about the dark is that it comes and goes. So he makes his way to an Exxon station. Do those still exist? I don't know. I live in California. I never see them. Um, I was just on the East Coast a couple months ago. Maybe? They all are the same thing with different names. Oh, Exxon oh, uh, it's BP. We're mo- yeah, no, we're mobile. It's Exxon Mobile. Oh. So we have mobiles. Does it matter? Why are we talking about oil? We don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to. Hmm. Big rich assholes. Okay, anyway. Uh, he found some telephone booths. And for all of you who don't remember payphones, they were real and not just in movies. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he dialed the operator, which was a real person you can talk to. I did that once and it was really scary because I was six and I thought it cost money and I almost cried about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, a real person answered. I didn't know it did that. (laughs) (laughs) So his brother and his brother-in-law pick him up, and they tell him that he's been missing for five whole days. Which, honestly, that's not that long, an alien abduction time. Like, what did they even test? What did they find out besides punch face? But his only, the only things he remembers was punching that 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 one alien and then seeing those three people seeing well four four people right the three yeah, guys and the gal yeah that he had the hots for all of them and that took five days to get all that description down well um, now i get it like if hmm okay tinfoil hat two seconds if like he was in another dimension where time moved at a different rate then maybe maybe that took five days and maybe he was like really high and that's why he was like paying attention to all the details as much as he was he did get knocked out a lot allegedly yeah um so during the entire time he was gone his whole crew was accused of foul play aka moita They were repeatedly questioned about his disappearance, and they all stuck to their story. Aliens. Um, I really wish I looked like the ancient aliens doctor right now, so I could just be like, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the appropriate moment to go aliens. Seriously? <laughs> so after he gets back and all that, they all have psychiatric testing and polygraphs administered. Um, all of those polygraphs came back either inconclusive or passing. Um, so yeah. one psychiatrist suspected that Travis had made everything up, but the question is, why would everyone go along with it? Or possibly, did Travis hit his head and have a serious trip where parts of media meshed with his reality and create this? A lot of elements do match up to the media of the day. Yeah. So, you ready to put on your skepticals? Let's do it. Skepticals on. So, Travis appeared on a Fox game show called Moment of Truth and was administered a polygraph on stage, and it came back false. Wait, he was on, like, like 
in from the two thousands moment of truth. Mm-hmm. What? He's still alive. But I, I, I didn't. Well, I guess yeah, he would be not just alive, but he's I younger guess than my dad. <laughs> still in the um, in the oh, public no. eye. He's still big in the UFO com- like community. I wouldn't say commercial, but community. Um, but the polygraph on stage came back false. But in my opinion, I feel like that's like not really possible to answer in that environment. Yeah. Even if he believed himself to be true, the situation itself and being in front of an audience, there's no way to, for that to be like an accurate polygraph right. and polygraphs aren't admissible in court. So they're not really accurate tests to determine those kind of things. So we take that as we will. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I agree. I think I was going to say the same thing, if nothing else, but for the fact that he's, you know, moment of truth is, was 2006, seven, somewhere around there, like mid two thousands. And this was, so this is 30 years after his, you know, alleged experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's surely had to deal with people like me being like, you what? (laughs) Like, and looking at him (laughs) side eyed. Uh, so I, I could imagine like, being on TV and knowing that there are going to be people, you know, up off top who are going to refute or deny or be skeptical of your, of your claim would make you, would cause you to fail a polygraph if you weren't telling the truth. Exactly. And like, I just, I can't imagine being in that kind of environment and having to do a polygraph. Like that's not even the setting. Like if you were videotaped doing one, that's different. And it was presented then then that would make sense but yeah so regardless of fact or fiction there i feel like that moment should not be counted at all i agree um here's this walton and his family were well-known ufo fans prior to the incident and after and that could have played into the story especially how detailed it was He does say in his FAQ on the website, travis-walton.com, that regressive hypnosis helped him verbalize the events. Uh, Thoughts? Regressive hypnosis? What does that mean? What is that? You know, of all the things that I look up, before we start... (laughs) I'm always going to have one for you, where you're like... I mean... My laptop's always up. Allow me to tell you. Oh. This seems terrifying. Apparently. Ooh. It says it's hypnosis to help you with recovered memories, I think. Hypnotic regression is the process by which you enter a trance and recall material from deep inside that is normally not available to the conscious mind so i assume it's recovered memories okay which have been debunked as far as i'm aware yeah i mean i feel like this is another instance of like a sci-fi trope kind of at play Mm -hmm. it, it reminds me in a way or it sounds like in a way like you know how in movies they will like be reviewing security footage and somebody, but wait, no, hang on a second. Zoom in on that. Okay, clarify the image. Like, like that's not a thing that can happen with with footage. Like, you can't get a better resolution on footage magically. 
and it sounds like that's what he's he's saying he underwent like a a a, a therapy that made his memory better mm-hmm. that like a, allowed him to recall more things from his memory down to footwear <laughs> and and a size four at that um Jesus. so yeah i i but I, w- I i will say the size stuff actually i will give him because I, I i would buy that a lumberjack can like size things pretty well a size four shoe though that's that that is a stretch that's not the biggest stretch i mean it's it's the vast knowledge of different materials for me <laughs> Yeah, that one's the dislocate your shoulder kind of stretch for me. Yeah. But, okay, so he's he's done, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just sounds like a lot of even the descriptions, which I guess he was able to, you know, glean from, due, thanks to the, the progressive hypnosis, um, a lot of it just sounds kind of cinematic. Like, his entire experience sounds cinematic. Mm-hmm. So the fact that him and his people were like fans of this stuff prior, that I'm like, yeah, that clocks. Exactly. There's nothing about the story that doesn't clock. Um, so he said, if I could do it over again, I wouldn't get out of the truck, which we all know is a big old lie because you got to do the thing you were a huge fan of and it made you into a known-ish name in the UFO and extraterrestrial communities. Mm-hmm. And I find it odd that that's the quote you're going for. Like, mm, you know you survived. <laughs> yeah, you would. But okay, so like, let's say a story's true, right? This plays into my crazy bogus theory that kept me awake for days in college. And I was rattled with emotion that humans are the parasitic aliens and we killed the dinosaurs. Wait, wait, what, wait, what? Someone posed that to me and it kept me awake for days. I was like, what? I feel like I heard a version of this before. I know. It's so upsetting. Like, what if we were the aliens that came to Earth and killed the dinosaurs? It's like we were like three settlements or something, right? And that's why like different cultures have like similar architecture. Even yeah. though they were no- nowhere near each other. I think it's wild and I love it. <laughs> like, it's wild. I think it's wild and I hate it. <laughs> I know. It's going to keep you awake for a few days, but it's okay. It's just because you think of all the plausibilities. Yeah. But, like, okay, so let's say that that's true and Travis' story is true. They pick Travis up and they're like, so that's what we get with our investment. <laughs> This bumbling idiot. I'm kidding. And I think that well, that's the other issue I have with this stuff. Like, nobody's ever getting scooped up out of New York City. You know what I mean? Well, do you want me to tell you that story next time you do a fact or fiction? I'm good. <laughs> it's really great. It involves the Department of Justice. I'm all the way good now. <laughs> <laughs> so tune in next time, listeners, for the next fact or fiction. Well, I will be roping. Vaughn into listening to that story. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, So Travis did appear, appear, you don't really appear on podcasts. He was invited on a podcast in the Huffington Post Weird News. But they said he was 22 during these events. But like, if it happened in 1975 and he was born in 1957, that's 18. Yeah. I have to say, I did the math three times. 
Um, but they were basically talking to him about the documentary Travis, the true story of Travis Walton that was coming out or is out now. So feel free to look at it. I did not. Um, I read his book or parts of which you can also do on his website. Um, and I believe the documentary is also featured on his website. If you have any interest in being a part of it, I think the story is fantastic, whether it's true or not, you know, um, he definitely has a skill for telling a story, especially if you read it and you care about the characters. Like if that's your jam and you like reading about details, I'm a very plot focused person. Like I'm like, let's get to the next item. Um, but some people really love those descriptions. That's not me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very, very good, though. I I mean, I love this story. And it's not like we don't have Area 51. Like, come on. And so we're going to... Which would be how far from Arizona? Uh, it's next door. New Mexico. Interesting. So okay. we're going to lean back into Independence Day mood which we opened with today, as it is our best alien movie ever made, next to Alien and Aliens, which are equal in my eyes. And Bill Pullman says, I don't understand. Where does this all come from? How do you get funding for something like this? And Jed Hirsch says, you don't actually think they spent $20,000 on a hammer, $30,000 on a toilet seat, do you? So, of course, we could be hiding aliens somewhere. Are we? I don't know. But I'd love to find out if anyone knows. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Leave me out of it. Let me just make that abundantly clear. <laughs> Do not leave Vaughn out of it. <laughs> don't tag me. Don't at me. Don't mention me. <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to at Vaughn with random alien <laughs> pictures from now on. Like, I can't wait to post some alien memes and be like, at Vaughn, tag yourself. <laughs> I'm this guy. Oh my goodness. Wait, so I, I actually hopped on my phone super quick to visit his website. Oh, it's it's crazy. I, I love it. I went to the witnesses where you, we get a picture of a younger Travis Walton. You were right in your description. He looks like the brawny man. He does look like the brawny man. <laughs> and then there's one guy that kind of looks like a younger um, Randy Quaid, and it's so exciting. <laughs> All of these guys look like somebody. That's they, weird. And they also look exactly the way you expect them to. So if you go to the website, you can see the witnesses. There's a link on the main website for witnesses. And you can see exactly how all of these characters look. And if you look um, at, I believe the link is the story. There's actually pictures, right, of, like, what... The aliens all look like and stuff. But also, though this is mostly regarded as a hoax, a hoax, a hoax, just one hoax. It's just one hoax. <laughs> just, <laughs> just one the hoax. one. Uh, a lot of people do believe Travis Walton's story. Travis-Walton.com can give you everything you want in his own words that I didn't splice into this masterpiece right here that we have totally laughed at um and it has the pictures as well but you can also watch a delightful episode of buzzfeed and solve supernatural with shane Madea and ryan bergara um they feature his story in a third of the alien abduction episode and they also give pictures description timeline um 
And it's fantastic. If you haven't caught that show, it's on YouTube and Hulu right now. I believe it's season three, episode two. Um, no, I'm not being paid to promote them. I just love their show and how they tell stories. They're so funny. <laughs> they also have a true crime flavor as well. Um, and you can also listen to Travis on that HuffPost Weird News podcast. Uh, we're not so cool to have a legend like Travis come on and give us the facts, so we just talk about him. But, yeah. So, take it for as you want, fact or fiction. We just present the facts and laugh about them, apparently. Yeah. Let's laugh about the facts. <laughs> you know, I had a dream before we recorded this that I opened it with let's talk about the craps instead of let's talk about the facts. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, we're going to leave that in there. So, yeah. Any closing thoughts there for you, Vaughn? Um, you know, I think lenses are funny. And I think there's, I still have this question of like, what was what was his life like growing up and leading into it? And I, that's, I appreciate to know that he was, his people were like fans of this stuff mm-hmm. ahead of time. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, that tracks. Cause the way he described it, it sounded slightly adjacent of what we would have you know heard about in like the, um, it was invasion of body snatchers or like, you know, all the stuff we got like from the forties and fifties, like those, those are depictions of aliens in early star Trek too. Yeah. Like that, that was in line with what he was describing. Not to say that that wouldn't be how it is, but, because there again, because there's so much detail to it, it also feels like what like where are these details lining up with? Yeah, that's the part that trips me up as well. It's just how detailed and like as you said earlier, cinematic it is. But then again, he wrote this book a couple of years later, so he had the time to sit down and really think about it. But also I don't know, like it's but, really <sighs> do you believe in aliens? Do you not? Is the uh, initial question that you have to jump over. And then what was his experience? Yeah. But at the same time, he should write sci-fi books. Yes. Like, 100%. What, where, what are you doing with your life? Travis Walton? I don't know, but what you're not doing with it is writing enough books. I need that. So that's my conclusion is no matter if this is true or not if it's fact or fiction regardless write me a sci-fi novel i don't care what it's about i want to read it i support that yeah he's a great storyteller all right well thank you vaughn are you scared was this too much for you this was just enough for me i hope you had a good lot of good chuckles i i surely did i I appreciate you so much <laughs> for for laying it out the way you do. Like it, it makes it very digestible. Whereas I feel like if I if I got all of this up front, I think I would just have a bunch of questions and I wouldn't I wouldn't like dive delve any deeper. But because of like the the journey you took me through, it allowed me to like question things at a good pace and timing. So You're thank you. Welcome. Well, thank you for coming aboard on the UFO experience. <laughs> Thanks for abducting me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, this has been episode five. We did episode five of Let's Talk About the Facts. Woo! And I am Elizabeth Fury. And I am Von Dexter Montague II, a.k.a. Okay. Vaughn. 
aka the Count of Dogs. <laughs> Never going to let that go. Um, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast was surprisingly produced by me. Original music by Miranda Miller. You can find us both on Twitter and Instagram at TalkAboutFacts. That's T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. Or email recommendations to ltatfpodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe out there, friends.